0: Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the eighth part of our series, Going Through the Gospel of Mark. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, here it is. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I'm just so glad that wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, that you chose to be here today, we're continuing our series, Going Through the Gospel of Mark. This is the eighth week of our series, and you know it's been a really long series when we've uh, taken two breaks already, one for Easter and one for our special lockdown message last week, but I just believe that God's not done here quite yet. So I got two weeks left, two messages that I want to encourage you from this gospel, and then we are done done. So, hey, listen, I believe that you're here for a reason. I believe that God wants to speak to you today. So, we're picking up where we left off two weeks ago, and we're in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22. I just want to read this to get us going. This is what it says. It says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. But when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that Your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I want to call our message this morning Faith to Forgive. Faith to Forgive. Uh, I read a story. A couple months back uh, about a Swiss psychologist, and it was a crazy story that just stuck out to me uh, about the power uh, of pain and really the power that our minds have over us. And so in this story, there was a Swiss uh, psychologist. His name was Edward Klapar. Day, excuse my uh, pronunciation, but what he did is he conducted this experiment with one of his patients. His patient uh, was a 47 year old woman and she had no short term memory. You guys can kind of think like 51st dates, 10 second Tim or Tom, whatever his name was in that movie. She had no short term memory. And so what he decided to do one day was conduct an experiment. And what he did is he went to shake her hand. But what she did not know is that he had a little pin concealed in his hand and so when he went to shake her hand she immediately felt the poke of the pin and she withheld her hand because she felt the pain now because she had no short-term memory literally like two three minutes later she had no idea what had happened however what this psychologist found out later and this he was so fascinated with it is that whenever she came into his presence she refused to shake his hand now, she had no idea why, and she couldn't put language or words behind it, but all that she knew was that she could not trust this psychologist. Now, this uh, phenomena is what is known as a conditional response or a conditional reflex. And so what this psychologist figured out was that the residue of pain from the past was causing her not to reach out in the present, a conditional response response. Or reflex. Now, the reason that I want to tell you guys that story is because when I heard that, I began to wonder how many of us have pains from the past that creep into the present. I wonder how many of us have things in our lives from the past, hurts, heartbreaks, that cause us to not reach out in the presence. I know Church Online, I'm sorry, I'm just getting right into the word this morning, but I wanted to come into your living room, I began to think that so many of us have hurts, pain, and unresolved things from our past that will affect us in the present. You see, I think that so many of us live with these conditional reflexes. We live with these conditional responses. Now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor, like, what is that? what does that look like practically? Like, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but what would that look like in my life? Well, I think just a couple of examples. It's kind of like, and maybe you guys have this thing where, like, there's that certain song that comes on, and whenever that song comes on, like it reminds you of that one person, and it reminds you of all that heartbreak, and so all of a sudden you hear this song, and it's kind of even a happy song, yet when you hear it, like all of these negative emotions come back, they come flooding in, like tears come streaming down your face, you're like, where did this come from? Maybe for some of us, it's like, you know, um, I had that one person, it was a guy, and he, 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 he cheated, he took away my trust, and so therefore I can't trust any men. For some of us, it's like, man, women, like all women are just using me for for my money. Therefore, I don't trust any woman. For some of us, maybe it's this. Maybe it's I have pain from my father in the past. And so whenever anyone talks about God being my heavenly father, I kind of just cringe. It's It's that conditional response. Maybe for some of us, it's that feeling you get when you find out the provincial government's coming online at 6 p.m. with a new update, and you just feel this exceedingly anger building up in you, or perhaps that's just me. But what I would say is that what a conditioned response is, it's those things in the past that creep into the present. And I wonder how many of us hold these things, and we have these responses, and maybe for some of us, we know exactly why we respond this way. But I wonder for a lot of us, if we have these responses, if we have these things, and we can't even quite pinpoint where they come from. Like, I don't know why every single time my phone rings, I have this anxiety. I would argue maybe there is something from the past, unresolved, that is causing this response in the present. Now, the beauty is, I believe that for, for, for all of the things that we go through, for every pain for every heartbreak, for everything that was built so deep down inside of us that causes a response in the present that is from the past, I believe that the solution for everything is so easy. Can I tell you the solution online? If you're still there, I haven't even talked to you. If you're still there, just let me know if I can tell you the solution. Just say yes in the chat. Just say yes. You can tell me. Here it is. I can't see it. I'm believing you typed it in. The solution, I believe, to all of those unresolved feelings, pains, hurts, heartache, resentment, is one thing and one thing only. I believe that the answer is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. That's it. I'm so glad you guys could be here today. Let's pray. Now, don't leave just yet. Uh, I want to I break this in. I want to go a little bit deeper. Because I believe that the answer is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yet what so many of us know is that oftentimes forgiveness is easier said than done. Like, I'm sure we all have this. We have that person in our life, and we know, like, their issue is forgiveness. And it's like, you know what? That person just needs to forgive. That person needs to move on. Like, it's so simple. It's so easy. Yet the ironic thing is we can see it in other people. They just need to forgive. But a lot of times we ourselves hold on to unforgiveness. I love the way that C.S. Lewis put it. He, he said it so eloquently. He said, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. Forgiveness sounds great until it ends up coming back to me. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to learn how to forgive, how to have the faith to forgive. And I believe that in the passage we just looked at in Mark chapter 11, Jesus gives us a couple clues on how to forgive. Now, the context, we're picking up literally where we left off two weeks ago. And so if you guys were there for that message, it was called fake fruit. If you missed it, I encourage you go online because we're picking up literally where we left off. Now, what we read off the top and you guys saw was that Jesus kind of had two things that he's talking about. And it kind of seems weird because he starts out by talking about faith. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he kind of flips up and he begins to talk about forgiveness. And it can kind of seem like Jesus is a little bit scatterbrained. Like, stay on topic, Jesus, if you're talking about faith. Why are you talking about forgiveness? Now, I happen to believe that Jesus is a genius and I happen to believe that Jesus is a master communicator. And so I don't think anything that he said was a mistake. And I want to show us today how I believe that faith and forgiveness are more intricately intricately connected than we often realize. So I want to pick this up, and we're going to see this. So context, if you guys remember, a fig tree withers. Peter says, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Jesus responds. He says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, come on somebody, believe it, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now this sounds amazing. Throwing mountains into the sea, pray for whatever you want, it will be yours like, yes, Jesus. I'm not going to lie, for, for, for myself personally, this passage has always kind of caused me trouble. And one of the very first things and one of the biggest reasons why it always caused me trouble is because I would read this passage and some scholars say when Jesus is talking about throwing a mount into the sea, he's looking at the Mount of Olives, like he's looking off in the distance. Some say it's the Temple Mount that he's looking at. It doesn't really matter to me because for me the issue was always like, man, I don't know if I have faith to believe that I can say to a mountain, move. And, and it kind of always troubled me because I was like, how do I have that faith? How can I get to that point? How can I level up? Because I don't really feel like I have that kind of faith. Now, a couple of things have helped me uh, in understanding this. Number one, a good thing to realize is that Jesus was a real person. Jesus was not an alien. Some people think he was like this alien God dude that came to earth and talked weird. The truth is, Jesus came and he spoke the language that people spoke. That's why Jesus talks about weeds and seeds, because he was speaking to a heavily agricultural society. A lot of people think they're really spiritual when they start talking about reaping and sowing, but Jesus was trying to speak in a way that they understood. This is important, because one of the ways in which humans have spoken throughout history is we have used literary devices, such as hyperboles or figures of speech. And so what scholars will tell us is that a common first century figure of speech was the idea of throwing a mountain or moving a mountain. And the idea was that a mountain being moved was a representation for something that is impossible. It was just as a metaphor for something in your life that you deem impossible. And so for the disciples, when Jesus said this, they would have known immediately what he was talking about. What that means is the disciples did not go into the wilderness and start yelling at mountains, Move. So this is important. If you're going to Banff this weekend, you don't need to go on the gondola and start yelling at mountains. No one will think you have great faith. They'll think you're very weird. Don't be weird. And so we understand, number one, it's a figure of speech. And so really what Jesus is trying to say, what he's trying to get across is so simple. What he's trying to say is that faith has the ability to do things that we deem impossible. That's what he's trying to say. He's not trying to say, go to mountains and make them move. Now, could God move a mountain? Yes, but that's not the biggest thing that he's trying to convey. What he's trying to convey is that faith has the ability to do things that we deem impossible. Now that solved one issue for me because I was literally trying to like move mountains, you know? But the other thing is this, because we're talking about impossible, things that we deem impossible. I don't know about you guys, but I still have moments. I still have times. I still have seasons where I feel like I don't have great faith. I just, I just don't feel it. Come on, have you guys ever been there where you prayed for something and it didn't come to pass and so you're like, you know what, that must be me. I just, I just didn't have enough faith. I just, I just didn't have enough faith to believe if I would have believed God would have made it happen. But I think, I think and I, I wanna correct something and I'll show you how this really intricately ties to forgiveness. But I wanna correct a thing that I think so many of us have that leads to bad theology. You see, for so many of us, we tie faith to ourselves, to how much I can believe, to what I can do, to my strength, to my feelings. The truth is, most times I don't feel faithful. And so I don't think I'm a faithful person. But I want us to understand something that most of us miss, specifically in the words of Jesus. Look at verse 22, what he says. Mark 11, Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. At at home, you missed it. Have faith in God. In God. In the chat, I need you to type in God. In the room, three of you, shout in God. God. Have faith in God. You see, I want to correct something. Because for so many of us, we have this idea that says, I need to have the faith of God. I need to have the faith of Jesus. If I could just have the faith of Jesus, then I could do amazing things. We're never called to have the faith of God. We're called to have faith in God. There's a big difference because faith of God puts it back on me and it comes down to my ability and to to my faithfulness. But what Jesus says, he says, have faith in God. So here's what I want us to understand about faith. This is important. Faith is about God, not me. Said another way, I don't have faith in myself. I have faith in God. And I think where a lot of us get discouraged is we try to build the faith on ourselves. Instead of where Jesus calls us to put our faith in, and that is in God, in Jesus. And you're saying, well, what's the, what's the big deal if like, I kind of have like faith in myself? Like I think that's kind of cool. Well, it's good if something comes to pass. Then it's like, yeah, my faith is strong. But when things don't work out the way you want it, over and over again, you can begin to develop this idea that things aren't happening because I don't have faith and that can be very discouraging if something doesn't work out that's on me i want us to understand something specifically about mark 11:24 ask and you will receive look what, i want to show you what one scholar says he says we shouldn't interpret mark 11:24 to mean if you pray hard enough and really believe god is obligated to answer your prayer no matter what you ask he says that kind of faith is not faith in god rather That is faith, and rather it is nothing but faith in faith, or more so, faith in feelings. God is saying, have faith in me, not in yourself. You see, for so many of us, we attach our faith to our feelings. But the truth is, our feelings lie to us all the time. Our feelings change, our feelings fluctuate. Instead, we put faith in God, but too often we make faith about ourselves. But I want to understand something. This is so important for the rest of this message. Scripture never talks about having faith in yourself. It talks about having faith in God. Now, I'll give you one illustration as we move on because I want to show you what can happen. Because some of us are saying, I don't, I don't get it. What's the danger? I was listening to an interview by a pastor um, in the States. He's, he's a popular pastor, and he's actually a pastor's kid. And he was talking about how he grew up. He grew up in church, surrounded by church people. Uh, He described it as charismania is how he grew up. And he said his understanding of God and of faith was all about how big your faith is. If you can have a big faith, if you can have a giant faith, God will do amazing things through you. You just have to have the faith. And he said it was fine until he was about 12 years old. And when he was 12 years old, his dad got a rare form of cancer and he had a tumor in his neck. And he said, in the way that I grew up, and the way that I understood God, he said, the reason that my dad had this tumor and the reason that my dad didn't get better, inevitably it came down to the idea, at least that I believed, that I didn't have enough faith. The reason he wasn't getting better was because I didn't have enough faith. If I just believed, then he would get better. And so what he said was this, and it stuck out to me so much. He said, for the next number of years, he said, I suck around church. He said, but I resented God. And he said, the reason I resented God was because I had a picture of God that said, the reason that my dad is dying, I could fix it. God, I could fix it, but I'm not going to because you don't believe. And he said, I began to resent God. Now, thankfully, and his father did eventually pass away. But what he said, thankfully, he said, what I realized is that I had not walked away from God. I walked away from bad theology. It was bad theology that led me that direction. He said, when I began to realize that faith is not about me, my faith is not in my ability, but my faith is in God, he said that switched everything and it changed something up. And so I want to free people because maybe there's certain people that have a similar perception that it's about me and you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you don't measure up. The beauty is this, this, faith is not about you, it's about God. And I want to show us, how this relates to forgiveness. So he continues. uh, We've seen this. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe it, that you have received it, and it will be yours. And this is where the switch up comes. Verse 25, he says, and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, this this whole thing kind of seems like a random afterthought, right? Because he's going on this, Jesus is on this tangent, right? He's like, if you have faith, you can move mountains. Ask and you will receive. And for a lot of people, like when we quote this scripture, that's kind of where we stop, right? Just have faith, move mountains, yes. Like whatever you want, it's going to happen. Come on, come on, somebody. Like, yeah, yeah. But for a lot of us, we leave out verse 25. Why? Why? we don't like verse 25 because the other stuff is really good moving mountains you know doing the impossible but everything really hinges on verse 25 what does it say it says when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive them Jesus says listen 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 before you pray for stuff before you start thinking about the healing or the new job or the new career or whatever it is, whatever the mountain is in your life, whatever the impossible is, he says, stop. If you have anything against anyone in in the chat, anything, right? Anything against anyone. Anything against anyone. Forgive. Now, this is important when it comes to forgiveness because I would argue for most of us, we we would say, I I forgive most of the time, right? You know, if someone cuts me off, like, I'll forgive them. If someone makes fun of me, sure, I'll forgive them. But the truth is, all of us have a point. All of us have a point where it's like, you know what, like, I, I just, I don't think I could do it. Maybe you were cheated. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you were left behind. Whatever it is, it's like you know what, I just I have a point. And I think like, does Jesus? What's Jesus's point? And anyone, of anything. Forgive anything. From anyone. But Harrison, how do I have that? How do I get there? You see, I think when we read verse twenty-five, the whole thing kind of comes together. Because I think what Jesus is trying to show us and the reason he goes straight from faith to forgiveness is because he wants us to understand that it takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to forgive. You know what's funny? Because some of us are like Harrison, like I always knew the mountain was a metaphor. Like you're a pastor? Like sure. But for a lot of us, we equate the impossible with like health, a job a relationship, whatever it is, I just wanna have faith. Like, come on God, like my faith is in you. But what's ironic is that most of us will never connect the thing that Jesus immediately connects faith to, which is forgiveness. I love how one scholar puts it, he says this, he says, the point when he speaks about forgiveness may also be that this is an area where we need great faith. Look at this part, he says, sometimes, as sometimes a hard and unforgiving heart is bigger than any mountain. The point that Jesus is making is that sometimes the greatest miracle you will see in your life, the greatest miracle you need is the miracle to forgive. A hard and unforgiving heart can be as big as any mountain. Now at home, maybe your mind's racing thinking of things as a person it's a situation it's an event but I would argue for all of us we have something in our lives that we would deem unforgivable I can't do it it's just too hard and one of the reasons that forgiveness is so hard is because forgiveness always comes I should say unforgiveness always comes with two emotions anger and hurt anger and sadness Those two emotions are always in some way tied to unforgiveness. Now, in most times, in the situations that hurt us the most, the first emotion is usually pain. It's heartbreak. It's hurt. It's sadness. But the truth is, it is very hard for us to live in heartbreak. It's very hard for us to live in sadness. And so as a defense mechanism, usually what happens is our heartbreak turns to anger because it's easier to be angry than it is to be sad. It's easier to be bitter than it is to be heartbroken. And I think one of the reasons that forgiveness is so hard is because we have these emotions tugging at us. The anger, the bitterness, the sadness. And it's like, Harrison, you know what? Like, what, what, what? What do I do with that? Well, what if what Jesus is saying is that the same power that can throw a mountain into the sea, that can raise the dead, Back to life, what if God has that same power to heal the brokenness that you feel? To mend our broken hearts, to to mend our hurting hearts, to teach us how to truly forgive. You see, faith is important here. I want us to see this. This is why faith is important. And this is why I need to get us away from this especially unbiblical idea that faith has anything to do with feelings. Because one of the reasons that so many of us will refuse to forgive is because you say, you know, pastor, listen, I don't feel it. I don't want to. And it's 2021, right? Like, listen, I'm all about living my truth. I'm just trying to live my truth. And my truth says I'm hurt and I'm not going to do something I don't feel. And so what happens is we hold on to this unforgiveness. We hold on to this bitterness and we use our feelings as an excuse not to move forward. Well, if Jesus really wanted me to forgive, he would melt my heart. He would make my heart. Listen, faith is not about feelings, and so therefore forgiveness isn't about feelings either. And so what we need to do sometimes is we need to act contrary to our feelings and move in step with the word of God. There's a whole sermon there. And say, if God calls me to forgive anything of anyone, I'm going to step forward in obedience because you need to understand this. When I realize that my feelings are not truth, that actually frees me. When I realize I don't have to move forward, I can move forward before I feel anything, that's freeing, that's liberating. Because what it means is I can get rid of the hurt in my heart today. I don't have to wait for the future. I don't have to wait for tomorrow. And the truth is this, I'll tell you one of the reasons that so many of us will not forgive It's because we say, well, if I forgive, like I'm letting that person off the hook. If I forgive, they won't know how badly they hurt me. If I forgive them, they'll never know what they took from me. I can't let them off the hook. But here's the irony and here's what Jesus wants us to understand today. Forgiveness is not about letting the other person off the hook. It's about getting yourself off of the hook. Because the truth is, unforgiveness is the poison that we drink, you've heard this one, hoping the other person will die. You see, a lot of times we want to just, you know, make this scene, right? They need to know. They need to know. But the truth is, at the end of the day, we are the ones that carry the baggage. We are the ones that can never seem to trust again. They can never seem to love again. They can never seem to find joy again. We hold it, hoping the other person will pay, but the truth is we are the ones that pay. And so what Jesus wants to do today is that Jesus wants to free us. So it's so simple. Here's the call today, let it go. Whatever the thing you are harboring, whatever the pain, whoever it is against, let it go. Now they're saying, Harrison, don't minimize my pain. I'm not trying to minimize. I'm trying to free you from it. I'm trying to free you from that burden, from that thing, from that conditional reflex that you have. That's what it is, that response. Those moments where you don't know why you acted the way you did, it's because you have something inside of your heart that is not healed. And so it comes up like that prick. But today, Jesus is giving us a solution. And so listen, I want to make this so, so practical. What do I do? I think all of us right now, something, it's a situation, it's a person, it's coming to our mind. If you're with someone, don't say it out loud. That could be weird in the chat. Definitely don't write it. But I want you to take a moment today, and if you're alone, you can do it right now. But I want you to write that name down, write that situation down, and say, today, I choose to forgive. And you can say, today, I I don't feel it. I'm not even sure I want to do this, but I am trusting in faith that the same God that moves mountains will work a miracle in my heart and I'll be able to experience freedom. Right here, right now, God wants us to experience freedom. And it's that simple. It's just to forgive. That's the appeal. Forgive today. Now, I want to speak for a second, because maybe there are some of us that are saying, Harrison, listen, I don't want to forgive. I, I, I don't. I can't. They don't deserve it. In fact, I'll never forgive them. It, it's just too hard. And maybe for some of us, we've held the pain so long, it becomes a part of us. And we as humans are really weird. We can hold things for so long that we know are bad for us, but be- because they become a part of us, we don't want to let go. Like, I was watching Dr. Pimple Popper one time, and this guy had a nasty cyst, like as if there's nice cysts. Um, And when he had to get the cyst popped, he said something I thought was so weird. He said, you know what, I think I might miss this. Because what happens, listen, this is a very spiritual application for Dr. Pimple Popper. When we hold things for so long, we think they're a part of us. We think they are normal. And for so many of us, we hold resentment, we hold unforgiveness, and we think that this is a healthy part of us. Pastor, I don't want to let it go. I can't let it go. I don't forgive and I don't forget. Well, the beautiful thing is Jesus wants to slap us in the face really quickly if we have that mindset. Let's go to the the next verse. He says, when you stand praying, if you hold, again, anything against anyone, forgive them. Here's a slap. So that... Your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, I I love to say, let's go to the next verse. There is none. That's that's how Jesus Jesus ends it. That's the Jesus mic drop right there. He says, forgive someone so that your father in heaven may forgive you. That's the end of the story. Like, Jesus, come on, give me something warm and fuzzy. He says, Forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive you. Now I want us to understand something because it can kind of raise this question that says, am I only forgiven if I forgive other people? The truth is on the cross, once and for all, Jesus forgave everyone. Forgiveness was achieved for all. And so this question here that is supposed to come to our minds is not to ask the question, am I forgiven? But what is supposed to come to the forefront of our mind is that if I don't want to forgive other people, do I truly understand the forgiveness that I have in Jesus? That is where our minds are supposed to go, and that is where Jesus is trying to drop the mic. And so the question I want to ask for those of us that are harboring to unforgiveness, that do not want to let go, I want to ask, do we understand the forgiveness of Jesus? Because the truth is, the forgiveness of Jesus is supposed to do something in our lives the forgiveness of jesus is supposed to change our lives if we are unwilling to forgive do we understand the gospel pastor what's the gospel it's so simple the gospel is this jesus took all of your sin jesus took all of your shame jesus took all of our wretchedness all of the worst things about us, the things that are so vile that if anyone knew them about us, what would they think about me? Jesus took it all and on the cross, he said, you are forgiven. It's gone. It's done. That's it. And so the question is, when we understand that, what is the response? You see, when we understand the gospel, it is supposed to challenge us. It is supposed to challenge our assumptions, and mainly it is supposed to push back against our feelings. And it is supposed to lead us to a response that says, if Jesus has forgiven me, how can I not seek to forgive someone else? I love what Romans chapter 2 says, and it's not specifically speaking about forgiveness, but I'll show you how it relates. Romans chapter 2 says, so when you, a mere human, pass judgment on other people and yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Do you show contempt for the riches of God's mercy and his kindness and his forbearance and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And so what he's saying, I want us to understand this. I want to break this down in the context of forgiveness. He's saying, well, when you choose not to give, when you choose not to do the very thing that God has done for you, do you truly understand it? Do you truly understand God's forgiveness? Because the truth is this, kindness, goodness, mercy, and grace are supposed to lead us to repentance. And so I want us to understand this. Because for so many of us, we say, you know what, if I don't forgive, the person that hurt me will never know what they did to me. So how will they change? You want to know what the truth is? Bitterness only produces more bitterness. Anger will only produce more anger. You want to know what has the ability to change people's lives? It's kindness. It's grace. It's mercy. Forgiveness. And so when we forgive, it has the ability to unlock things. It has the ability, I need us to understand this, to bring forth miracles, to bring forth restoration. When people see the person that you forgave, the situation that you brought love into, they'll have no way but to ask, how did you do that? And the answer is, it's only through the love of God. It's only through the goodness of Jesus. You see, when we understand what Jesus has done, it will always lead us into action want to bring the last two messages together because it's one story, fake fruit, and this one here. Jesus says, before you pray, before you prophesy, before you ask for anything, he says, stop and forgive. You see, when we put two things together, one thing we know for certain is that Jesus was against this idea of fake religion, this idea of outward appearance, this idea of a change that doesn't actually penetrate the heart. And so what he's saying, he's saying before you do anything, before you pray out loud, before you come to church, before you post that thing in your bio, that that beautiful quote or your picture, or you invite someone to church online or you tell people how spiritual you are, he says before you do any of that, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Go and be restored. You see, God is all about restoration restoring broken things, lost relationships, and mostly freedom. God wants to bring us freedom. You need to understand something. When you look at the life of Jesus, he healed people. He brought the dead back to life. He brought sight to the blind. He walked on water. Come on, somebody. But the greatest miracle that Jesus has ever done was when he forgave you, when he gave us what we do not deserve. Jesus says, remember, your names are registered in heaven. That's the miracle. And so the truth is this, for all of us in this room, for all of us watching online, you have the ability to step into the miracle of God. You have the ability to do something divine today. You can forgive. And I just wonder, what if there was a better time than now, in a year of dissension, in a year of division, that you went and sought reconciliation? Reconciliation. And you said, I want to see God move today. I want to see miracles today. And here's the beauty. You don't have to feel anything. Just have faith in God. Just have faith in God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and for your kindness and for your grace. I pray, God, today that we can have the power to forgive. Lord, I pray that our feelings catch up with our obedience. And so help us to be obedient, to forgive today, to experience the glorious riches that you have for us when we release the weight of unforgiveness. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you are encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.